Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hello, I'm Janet Morena, Executive Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to our uh, our problem, our program. Look at me, problem. We do have a problem. You know what it is? It's abortion. And with the overturning of Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey, everyone thinks job done. No, job is not complete because, as you know, with the overturning of Roe, they turned it back to the states. And, of course, we have some states who are, have laws on their books that if Roe's overturned, abortion will be illegal in our state. Other states, however, open the floodgates and say, come on in. We will abort your child all the way up till birth. And the list is longer and longer. And so the battle is raging on. And joining me today is one of the people who are out there on the ground. And they are fighting to protect women and babies from the abortionists. And we're going to talk today to a dear friend of mine and Father Pavone's in our ministry, Jamie Jeffries. And she works in New Mexico on the ground And her ministry is called Abortion on Trial. Jamie, welcome to the program. Hi, Janet. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here again after a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So just tell our, our people just quickly, how did you get involved in exposing Uh, We'll start with the name uh, Curtis Boyd. I wouldn't even call him a doctor. Curtis Boyd, the notorious late-term abortionist in New Mexico. Yeah, you know, I've been involved in pro-life work for about six or seven years now. Uh, But in 2019, an attorney friend of mine came to me with some evidence that he said he thought the pro-life community deserved to see. Um, And when I looked at that, I was like, wow, there's a whole world of madness here. And so we talked and thought about what we could do together. And Abortion on Trial was uh, founded in 2020. And we've been working on malpractice cases and personal injury cases involving abortion providers since that time. And it's been pretty wild. (laughs) It's really thrown me into a new realm of pro-life work. We're really focusing on civil law and upholding existing laws, which is really important in this post-Roe world that we're in now. And, you know, it's really directed my pro-life course. I'm pre-law undergrad now, which was never a thing that was going to happen. But abortion on trial is a real need that we've seen. So we're here to meet that need. And there, of course, like I mentioned, we have Curtis Boyd, a late-term abortionist. Um, tell us what what is exactly the laws on the books in New Mexico. And, and how come now suddenly, you know, uh, people are, are kind of coming into New Mexico from other states uh, to get a, get these late-term abortions? Sure. New Mexico is the Wild West. It is the back alley abortion state. It has no regulations. Women can abort through any gestation for any reason. There's no mandated waiting period. There's no parental notification laws. Um, we see women frequently aborting in the third trimester in outpatient induction abortions, and it's just really horrific. Um, And abortion providers know that. So they are flocking to the state of New Mexico. I think we're at 16 incoming total amount. So it's just going to be really wild. A lot of women are going to end up hurt. A lot of children are going to end up dead. And we're just kind of trying to stop it. You know, I'm based in Arizona. Our office is in Albuquerque. 
we are just all kind of flooding into New Mexico um, just as quick as the abortion providers are, because that's really a battle right now. And so I just mentioned the one doc, uh, I can't even call him a doctor, Curtis Boyd, but you just said how many um, abort, late-term abortions or abortion doctors do you have in New Mexico? Late-term Boyd's Clinic is the place to go. Uh, women come there from all over the country and world, really, to abort late term. Um, as for first and second trimester, there's a number of providers from Planned Parenthood all the way down to Dr. Franz Theard in the Las Cruces area, who we also have some issues with going forward. So there's a lot of incoming. Um, Diane Deers' from the Pink House is coming over from Jackson. So there's groups setting up in the southern part of New Mexico to combat that presence. They're just flocking into the state from everywhere. Now, you just mentioned uh, Jackson, Mississippi. As we know, that's where the Dobbs case came out of. So that mm -hmm. the, the, there was only one abortion mill in, uh, in uh, Mississippi, and that's that one in Jackson. And so you're saying that because that clinic got closed, shut down, thanks be to Dobbs, that abortionist has now come to New Mexico? Yes, that's correct. They've actually set up in the Las Cruces area. And, uh, you know, we saw that the Southwest Coalition for Life led by Mark Cavalier saw that and we were like, no, thank you. So um, the Pink House ended up securing a location for their new clinic in southern New Mexico. And the pro-life community came together and has leased the building next to that clinic now because we're not going to let them move in without some opposition and some real help for these women. So, um, you know, we're really trying to to fight that, knowing that the Pink House has the reputation it does for a reason. And and people don't want that to be moving into New Mexico. Right. And, you know, we know, the, you know, first of all, abortion is always bad for the baby, but we know it's always bad for the mom, too, because of my work with Rachel's Vision and Silent No More, the physical and psychological damage it is huge. But you personally have followed cases there in New Mexico where women have died from these late-term abortions, right? That's correct. Yeah, we worked on the Keisha Adkins case, and that was against Curtis Boyd's clinic, as well as the University of New Mexico uh, for wrongful death and for negligent referral. And that case is closed now, but the evidence that came from that case through documents that were subpoenaed and the under oath depositions with Curtis Boyd and the doctors on his staff were extremely revealing and horrifying. And frankly, I, I have a huge moral concern for the babies dying in abortion. But as a young woman, after seeing the evidence from the Keisha Adkins case, my heart has really shifted to protecting my fellow young woman and my gosh, we are in such danger, especially with all of the new referral networks that are working uh, from states like Arizona, where I am, um, you know, sending people to Curtis Boyd's clinic. And that just terrifies me for these women. You know, not long ago at Priest for Life, I think it was maybe a couple years ago, we got a call uh, from a family member all the way over in London whose niece was being taken to Curtis Boy's clinic and she was pregnant with twins and it was it was going to be late term. She was already uh, 30 weeks pregnant and they asked us, please, begging us, can you help? And we we knew the pro-life is on the ground there 
They even went, because apparently Curtis Boyd has a, a, a motel nearby where he has the women stay. They were outside trying to beg this family member that was dragging her there for the abortion not to, not to ever go through with it. And unfortunately, there was nothing they could do uh, to stop it. But when you say they're coming from other states, I, I experienced other countries that they're coming mm -hmm. there because this is like an easy place where they'll just open the floodgates, come on in, and, and we will destroy your baby. Um, so it's really horrible. But you also know, because of the overturning of Roe now, the, on the border states where you can't have an abortion, what are they doing now? Are they setting up some kind of a come on in here and we're going to take care of you? Yeah, so Texas has kind of set up a we're safe system and their women are flocking to other states. And we we saw that, you know, starting to happen with the heartbeat bill. So that is kind of prepared for the Southwest Coalition for Life is really heavy in the El Paso area. And that's huge because that's where a lot of women are coming through. Uh, states like my own, Arizona, we're in a really confusing place right now. Um, our governor did sign a 15-week limit, which frankly doesn't do a whole lot um, here because we had a 20-week limit anyways. So we're not really sure what our laws are. There's a really old law that may be implemented. But as it stands now, I know Planned Parenthood has just implemented a new referral network where they will assist the referral of women in Arizona to Curtis Boyd's location in Albuquerque. Um, you know, we're, we're addressing that. Obviously, UNM paid a very heavy amount for a negligent referral because it is medically negligent to send women to Curtis Boyd's facility. So if Planned Parenthood Arizona wants to do that, I, you know, we'll have some things to say about that. But that's what's happening right now. People are sending their women in and we're not new to that. Women travel to this clinic and have for years from all over the country. Like you said, internationally, we see Canada frequently. I think the farthest or most notable that I remember is Boyd himself recalling a 12-year-old traveling from Brazil who ended up aborting at 34 weeks. And yeah, I mean, people are just coming from everywhere to get there. Wow. And then um, in New Mexico, for, the, for these late-term abortions, are there any laws to protect, you know, like what do they do with the babies? You know, these are full, these are full-term babies that are being aborted. Uh, I know some states, like I think Indiana has it, where there has to be a proper burial and disposal of, 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 of children uh, that, are, that die like that. But what about in New Mexico? Are there any regulations? No, it's it's pretty much a free for all. And the government in New Mexico is a very liberal pro-abortion government. So the oversight is very minimal. Any effort to gain oversight is very minimal. New Mexico doesn't report their abortion statistics. They don't have clinic inspections. You know, it's it's really wild. And with the type of abortions that happen in these post viability post 20 week abortions. It's a very, very dangerous two to four day procedure that women are doing outpatient. We've even just suggested like, hey, could we maybe, would you guys do this in a hospital where women are monitored, you know, the whole time instead of going to a hotel room to labor and deliver their now stillborn baby. And even that New Mexico doesn't seem open to anything that would be put in place to protect women. So we kind of have to do it a different route than legislative or oversight. And that's why we're taking the civil route, because that's all New Mexico has left us with. Wow. Trying to sue the doctors then. Mm -hmm. So 
let's just help everyone understand because, um, I mean, I'm pretty well versed in late-term abortion and what happens, but the average person isn't. Mm -hmm. um, so let's ever, let everyone understand that. When you're in your last trimester of pregnancy, uh, they can't do a partial birth abortion because of that whole ban. But all the doctors did was, okay, well, we're just going to kill the babies a different way. And so what happens is she comes to the Boyd's Clinic uh, for her first visit, and that's when they basically are killing the baby. They inject uh, the baby's heart with digoxin and stop the baby's heart. So now she has a dead baby inside of her. And they insert lemon area and they send her, like you said, back up to this other motel near, near the clinic. And that's what I find is amazing. Shame on these motels that are so connected with these abortion clinics that, you know, that these women come to their motel then for, for the next day or two. And then they go back to the abortion clinic uh, two or three days later uh, to deliver a dead baby. I mean, that's basic the scenario, right, Jamie? Yeah, that's that's best case scenario, frankly. And honestly, with this type of procedure, it's known to have complications and risks. Um, spontaneous expulsion of your fetus is a very frequent occurrence with these. So these babies are not always coming out in the clinic. Women are laboring in the hotel and may not make it back to the clinic in time for delivery. And so that's why we see documented occurrences of women delivering in these hotel rooms, which Frankly, an induction birth of a live baby is strenuous and difficult and risky on a woman. But um, adding in the fact that you have you know, killed her baby with a lethal dose of digoxin, that increases her risk of infection by six times. So it's just incredibly dangerous for the woman, um, you know, in addition to the fact that you are killing a post viable baby. You know, 20, 22 weeks is when most hospitals will give life saving measures. And these abortions are all past that. That's right. I mean, more more commonly, I know Curtis Boyd's record, he does more of them when they're 30 weeks plus, doesn't he? Very frequently, multiple a week. And we have released some patient logs that document that, that were subpoenaed evidence in the Adkins case. And it shows over a dozen fully elective late-term abortions in a single day. Numerous women came in after 30 weeks, 32 weeks with just for no no known reason, no documented medical reason. They just, they can, and so they do. Wow. And, and you know, when you talk about the medical records here, um, just for a minute, <clears throat> when you think about any surgery you have, Jamie, you know, um, you know about the whole procedure ahead of time. You go for pre-emission testing. The doctor has a complete medical history. Uh, you usually go for uh, blood work, chest x-ray, all this stuff. You meet with an anesthesiologist. But in these cases, none of this happens, right? And then when when you've had uh, these cases, like the Curtis Boyd case with Keisha Atkins, um, there was no good care for her medically or any of these women, right? Yeah, the care is really beneath the you know medical standards of care, and that's a big point we need to make about these clinics. Um, the the care is really non-existent, and you know in Keisha's case, it really truly was kind of a split decision. And she went in; they injected her with digoxin. They give the women you know a, a prescription for oxy to take back to the hotel with them. And then for three days, being dosed with fentanyl and Versed in and out of the clinic, um, you know, they records really showed that Keisha was going septic early um, on the last day. 
but the clinic chose to keep her out of the hospital. They gave her Benadryl in hopes to fix her sepsis. You know, that's the kind of care that women get. And by the time Keisha did get to the hospital, it was it was too late for her. And it it's not she's not the only one. Right. Now, when you say not the only one from what you're the work you're doing with the other attorneys in New Mexico, um, what would you say is a fair number of cases of women who were either died from the result of these late term abortions or uh, have severe physical complications that there are some sort of civil cases that can be that can come about? You know, it's really hard to give an exact number because the reporting on these instances is really crummy. New Mexico isn't mandated to report. So we have to find the women in their cases where we can. And I would say, based off of our own case number, we've had four or five cases against Boyd's facility, another case in the southern part of New Mexico, and then cases out of state as well. I know other late-term abortion providers also see frequent injuries. Uh, one good place that you can find some kind of credible, unbiased information on that point would be in a research study that was authored by two of the doctors at Curtis Boyd's facility, where they documented uh, 501 late-term abortions and the effects of that. And in that study, they document numerous injuries from hemorrhaging to, you know, like uncontrolled bleeding, infection, and a death. So they're definitely showing us without meaning to that these procedures really result in injuries. But a lot of times it's really hard to trace that back to the provider when they're not mandated to report at all. So if someone's uh, listening right now and they're hearing this and they said, oh, my gosh, you know, my sister was badly damaged in her abortion and we didn't know who we could turn to. Or I know someone who was injured in their abortion and they don't know who can help them. What what would you suggest like and what website can they go to or what information could you help them with, even if they're not in New Mexico or Arizona where you are, um, but some other state? What can we do to kind of raise the alarm here to say to, to women, if you've been injured uh, by an abortion clinic, uh, we can help you. So what, what can you tell us, Jamie? Yeah, you know, any woman who wants to reach out, even if you're not sure and you just want to take a look at your medical records to see, because a lot of times you don't know until you see the records for yourself, you can reach out to us. You can go to our website, abortionontrial.org. You can also email us, um, abortionontrial at gmail.com, and I will get back to you and we will see what we can do regardless of what state you're in. You know, we have helped women all across the country and we can work with attorneys in a number of states just to see kind of what happened. And I think a big thing for a lot of women is the uncertainty um, or the feeling like maybe we're crazy, like we feel like somebody hurt us, but we don't know and getting that sort of sense of information for the first time, really. These abortion providers don't tell you what they do to you when you're drugged up. They just do it. And a lot of times women get their records back and are in shock and horror at what they realize they've experienced. And now they understand, oh, that's why my body feels this. I, I don't remember it, but my body does. And so it's really important that women have the right, you know, to get their medical records and to seek help and see what they can do. So definitely reach out to us and we'll see what we can do to help you. 
And with your experience of helping women get their medical records from these abortions, you know, I can tell you for one thing, um, with the women from Silent No More, like you're saying, so many of them, they can't remember certain parts and they wish they did have their medical records to kind of just help them have some closure to what really happened to me during that abortion. But if you were to give everyone a general idea, what kind of things of the people who you've gotten medical records for, what kind of trauma or damaging things are they discovering when they see their records? We had one woman who thought that she had a surgical abortion. That's what she consented to. Um, her records ultimately led us to the evidence that they altered her procedure to an induction abortion and delivered her baby intact in order to donate the baby's brain to UNM's fetal tissue research lab. Uh, that procedure being altered left her with internal lacerations that were documented in her chart. She was never told about that. Ultimately, she did have a hysterectomy um, a few years after her abortion due to the scar tissue growth. So she didn't realize that that's why she had a problem and had a, had a hysterectomy. And, and we kind of had to walk her through those emotions of realizing that it was because they tore her insides up and didn't tell her because they wanted her baby's head intact. Now you just used a, a, a for the play. What who who took that baby, that dead baby, and donated that baby's body? The what abortion? What the abortion clinic? And who did they give it to? Curtis Boyd's clinic, Southwestern Women's Options. Uh, Doctor Shelley Sella again. She's lovely. Uh, they took the body, and it was donated to UNM's fetal tissue research lab. It's called and the who, Brain Lab. UNM? Wait, you're using letters. What's UNM? UNM is University of New Mexico. And they do fetal research there? They do. They were procuring their fetal research tissue from Curtis Boyd's clinic up through about 2015 until our attorney, Mike Seibel, had some things to say about that and shut that tissue research network down. So... Big thanks to Mike on that one because they were harvesting fetal tissue without the consent or knowledge of women. They were changing their procedures to do it. And this is all thoroughly documented. We have over 500 infants listed for their parts in the fetal tissue log from this research lab. And it's gruesome. I mean, that's just unbelievable that... Mm -hmm. You know, the women go in for an abortion and they're, and I'm sure they're making money, right? I mean, they're selling these babies to University of New Mexico there, right? Well, they can't sell it, but they can have relationships that are mutually beneficial. Curtis Boyd was um, involved in training programs and really had a heavy working relationship with the University of New Mexico up until the point of this fetal tissue research coming to light. And, um, you know, the select panel on infant lives had some things to say, and that network has been shut down. So as far as anybody knows, they're not currently still going through this research relationship, but I suppose time will tell. 
Wow. So again, for women who are watching and they might be concerned, like physically, they're not feeling well after their abortion and they want you to help them get their records to kind of see what did happen to me at this abortion clinic. Remind everyone again, uh, Jamie, where they can go. Sure. You can email me at abortionontrial at gmail.com or you can go to our website, abortionontrial.org. And you can find resources and contact information there also. And what would you say, Jamie, in a given month, you know, about how many emails or phone calls and stuff do you get from women saying, can you help me? Can you help me? What about this? There's a lot. You know, that's really all I can say is there's a lot. And not all of them want to be talked about or to be made public, but some do. We have a number of cases that will be going public in the you know, coming weeks, months, and they are really, really tough. I will say social media is a huge place where people find us. Um, I'm really active personally on TikTok, which sounds kind of weird as like an elder millennial. Maybe I'm too old for that. But oh my goodness, the young women who are messaging me on that app for help. I've been able to get women records, assist in them getting their miscarried babies back from the hospital, you know, getting their ashes back. Just a number of insane things that I didn't think were so needed, but the women really find us. And it's heartbreaking to see how many of them are calling. And so how, how do we find you on TikTok? Oh, yeah. You can just search Jamie Jeffries or look at the hashtag abortion on trial and you'll find me in all my snarky glory over there. <laughs> Boy, oh boy. You know, um, I mean, this, the service you're doing for women, I think right now is so important. Again, I know from selling no more, so many women um, are just kind of left with the, the feelings of regret, but like no one understands. Uh, and I mean, I just hope, Jamie, one day we can just get Curtis Boyd out of business altogether. I mean, because at his clinic, how many doctors does he have working there now doing all these late-term abortions and whatever? I believe he has three other physicians on staff right now, if I remember correctly, Carmen Landau, Shelly Sella, and Emily Cohen. Uh, there may be more, but he's super busy and training people as much as he can, doing programs with other universities as much as he can. I will say for anybody watching in the East Texas area, Curtis Boyd's hometown is Athens, and they are currently trying to make Athens a sanctuary city for the unborn, just kind of to let Curtis Boyd know that he doesn't get to control the history narrative for Athens. So if you're in East Texas, tomorrow night at 530, there's a city council meeting. The public can come speak out against Curtis Boyd and the legacy he's leaving America with. And we're just kind of trying to stop him in any way that we can on every front, you know eventually it, it will be enough to where he doesn't want to keep trying. Well, I want to thank you for your courageous work, Jamie, and we will have you back again to keep updating us because things I know on the ground there in New Mexico keep changing, mm -hmm. but keep up the good work and we'll keep you in our prayers. So thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Janet.
Well, brothers and sisters, thank you, Twitter. I want to remind you of a few things. First of all, tune in every Friday night, endabortion.tv, 9 p.m. You get the latest pro-life news in the in the week with Teresa Watson and Leslie Palma. And finally, now's the time to be talking about abortion. So get a copy of my brand new book, Everything You Need to Know About Abortion for Teens and Adults Too. Go to endabortion. Uh, abortion, I'm sorry, abortionandteens.com, abortionandteens.com, and place your order. I'll personally autograph it for you. And remember, brothers and sisters, there are some abortions only you can save and some lives only. I can't believe it. Stop. I got to do that again, John. Edit it back in. I can't believe I twisted that. I'll hold the book. Yeah. I'll thank her. Well, thank you, Jamie, uh, for joining us. And brothers and sisters, before we go, I want to remind you on Friday evenings at 9 p.m., come to endabortion.tv, our pro-life news in review with Teresa Watson and Leslie Palma. Again, 9 p.m. every Friday evening. Repeats also on Sunday evening, 9 p.m. And before we go, a copy of my brand new book, Everything You Need to Know About Abortion for Teens and Adults too. Go to abortionandteens.com. And remember, brothers and sisters, there are some abortions only you can stop and some lives only you can save. Join us again next time. Thanks and God bless. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.